Welcome to the Greenlight Podcast, an audio breakdown of the regulatory barriers to social equity in the cannabis industry by Marijuana Matters. My name is Deanna Benjamin, and I'm your host. Human beings are really designed to connect. We thrive in community, healthy community. And that's one of the most resonant themes that came out of my conversation with Keisha Reed, CEO of Explore Maryland Cannabis, an organization devoted to building an ecosystem of informed cannabis members in Maryland through education and access over all 23 counties in Baltimore City. From her organization's mission statement to the way that Keisha views her community, I mean, You will just hear it in the way she speaks. You're going to witness Keisha's passion for bringing people together in ways that empower them and benefit the community overall. So please stay with us. Keisha's story is a beautiful example of how showing up as your authentic self with a heart of service for others in the cannabis space can organically lead to both entrepreneurship and real impact. Let's get into it. I started Explore Maryland Cannabis. I'll I'll give you the story. I started Explore Maryland Cannabis after becoming a patient in Maryland and being, uh, I, I like to say prescribed, but entering into a dispensary, talking to the butt tender, letting them know like, you know, I've consume flour. There's these ton of new products that you all offer. You know, I typically consume to kind of keep my anxiety low and, you know, be able to move throughout the day. He was like, you know what? You should try RSO. Mm. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Whatever. You know what I do with it? He said, you know, you take a little bit of it, put it on your finger, no bigger than a rice. You know, that's the whole story with that. Um, But what he didn't tell me is that RSO is typically used for people who have high pain, um, chronic pain, ongoing pain, and especially people who can't sleep because of pain. So I took the RSO and while it was great for maybe the first 30 minutes, I then proceeded to sleep like 12 to 14 hours. Gotcha. So I woke up the next day after missing a day of work and realizing like oh I never want this to happen to anyone and also at that time I feel like I mean cannabis is super not mainstream but it's kind of it's popping right now right if you're an influencer you know they want to make sure that they're branded Snoop Dogg, Wiz Khalifa all that stuff right you talk about cannabis and everything but when I became a patient you know a lot of the conversation was still very much underground Mm -hmm. so my homegirls were talking to me like you know, I got this and it made me feel like this. And I was like, they just need to stop buying stuff out of the legacy market that they don't necessarily know about. And so that kind of really pushed me to kind of create this organization, which I like to call, you know, it's an ecosystem of different parts. Um, It's definitely pivoted and grown and evolved into what it is now. And our focus Mm -hmm. primarily is on workforce, getting folks into the cannabis industry, helping them stay employed and become employable if they've got transferable skills, Um, which I'm really, really excited about because that is a big conversation in cannabis as it relates to social equity and helping returning citizens, being able to have opportunities in the industry. And... um, Frankly, I found that the model that I had previous to this, which is very much my my character of building community, like 
Mm. I want to connect with everyone, but connecting with everyone isn't necessarily a healthy business model. So I had to kind of pivot from, this is a great, you know, thing that I do and I love connecting and bringing my friends together, but how can I really make an impact? And how can I also provide myself with a piece of this financial freedom that this industry has to offer? Yeah. So, um, I released myself from a long full-time job, which was super toxic, even through the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So I felt it was all divine timing. I got accepted into the boot camp with M2 and it's just been, you know, sunshine and rainbows since then. Of course, (laughs) you know, long nights, lots of, you know, I'm thankful I have a really great support system because sometimes I'm just like, I don't know do I need to just go back and get a job? Like it's, it's hard between the raising of capital, between the color of my skin, between my age or the circles and the backgrounds. I'm originally from Washington, DC, from an area that was heavily impacted by the war on drugs. So, you know, I, I think it's all just divine timing that I'm in this place, in this space right now. And I'm just looking forward to making an impact and reaching back. So that's the where the community aspect comes in for me. There are so many people who have helped me get to this place, right? Get me through college, get me through high school, get me, you know, jobs and experiences to travel the world. And I really want to be able to give that back. So. Oh, okay, Keisha. So like so much. There's I'm so, sorry. I, so no, no, no. <laughs> I love, I have so many questions because you're, from the few minutes that you've just shared with me, I can already say like your, your story is going to be really useful to people who, (laughs) you have answers that people are looking for. So first I want to start actually with maybe what might be the most urgent question a lot of people interested in this space have, which is how do I quit my regular day job to pursue a business in a legally great, like federally illegal industry as a black person or as a woman or as a queer person where I'm already marginalized, I'm already vulnerable. So you you just check off all the, <laughs> all those boxes, but then you did it and you're, and it sounds like not that it's easy, but that you are experiencing great reward. So if you could kind of just like take us zoom in on that decision to walk away and and embark on this sort of terrifying journey i mean to me i'm like a I like knowing what's going to happen like five years and then you You and me both right i am very much a person who likes structure who likes routine even though i i don't right (laughs) yeah and i think the decision to leave my full-time job it wasn't easy it still is easy and there's days where i'm looking and i'm like good benefits, cannabis, <laughs> they hadn't passed no bills, state laws, you know, all of those things. Mm-hmm. But I had to have a real, a real conversation with myself. I'd been in this position where I wasn't growing, where I wasn't evolving. And I found myself in opportunities that kind of spoke to where I am now, whether it was lobbying in our state's capital where that was probably like two miles away from my desk. So being able to kind of make the connections with legislators and even just aides, you know, I felt like, okay, I could do this. I think the biggest piece was I stopped 
maybe in last, so last March when the pandemic really hit, we went out for a friend's party who just also left her job, right? Right before the pandemic. And that was the first point for me. It was like, okay, she leaving her job. She's not even worried about it, right? right? Six months late, still isn't worried about it. Mm-hmm. Second piece was, I still felt a lot of that toxic energy coming through my screen. Mm-hmm. Like I was sitting at my desk. And then my grandmother passed, my last living grandparent. And I thought, I don't want to miss another moment in my family's life, whether it be good or bad. Now, the pandemic definitely shaped and shifted a lot. I lost a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But, you know, why not honor their memory by just going for it and betting on myself, which is the scariest thing ever. But I've got good faith. You know, I believe in a very powerful, strong guy who leads me. So as long as I have faith in that, I know I can't ever fail. I got goosebumps. I just, yeah. (laughs) I've never said any of this ever. I'm sitting here like. You're you're catching the spirit as you speak. You guys can't see it, but she broke out into a little shimmy. (laughs) But I mean, me too. Like that. So the things that I'm hearing. So first, it sounds like you, instead of looking at the whole gigantic forest and saying, okay, I need to take on this beast, you broke it down into actionable steps. I can reach out to this aid over here. I can yes. this this next step. And I think that's huge because if there are those little things that you can do, then it's, oh yeah, this isn't impossible. It's not going to be easy, but it's not impossible. And then you looked at the people around you and truly found inspiration from your friend who had done the same thing. So that's, yes. I guess, my second question then is, because I know people like this who, and, and sometimes I feel this way myself, how do you find your community? Like, how do you find the your people who uplift you, especially within this cannabis space? Because like, that can be tricky. Because like, you know, you got the legacy market. And there are people in there where I'm like, I feel why you don't want to transition out. Absolutely. And then until there is something that is in place for them to successfully get a piece of this pie, I don't think they should. How do you find your community that can help you process all of this nuance? I'm really thankful that I've always been a people person. So I feel like I'm either naturally gravitating to folks or they're gravitating to me. Mm-hmm. Now, I haven't always had the best uh, gauge of people, right? So I think as we grow and we learn, you know, folks that you've loved in high school may not necessarily make it with you to college, right? And vice versa. Uh, my biggest way, I think that you find your people, you find your fam, you find your, your squad. It's one understanding that people are there for a season sometimes. Mm-hmm. And that season may be your entire life or maybe six weeks and that's okay. Cause they don't teach, they don't tell you that in elementary school that your best friends won't be your best friends forever. Yeah. Um, but being as authentic as you can be in these spaces is important, right? You'd never want to lose yourself. You don't want your ancestors looking down like now I did all this and right. you out here pretending, right? That I feel like was another part of my awakening. Once you stop pretending, you, the people will start to come to you, right? And you'll have that that gaze of understanding like, okay, they're here for a project. They're here to help me get through my engagement. They're here to help me deal with the death of a family member or help me even build the next phase of my business. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, 
being authentic and understanding that seasons people are here for seasons and I okay so this is I, I break things down in steps when I hear people speak so this is what I hear is like step one is be reach out to people like yes. you I mean and you're saying that you naturally do that and people gravitate toward you but whether it's natural or not if you're trying to start a business like <laughs> you kind of have to put you have to make those connections and then two is when you're doing that, do that in an authentic way. Yes. And yes. three, be willing to, to view relationships as temporary or more temporary than you might have thought. And it's not like, oh, I'm just going to use this person over here or discard this person, but just recognizing, like, like you said, your elementary school best friend is not <laughs> necessarily going to be your business partner today. And right. that's okay. <laughs> right. Yeah, you got to have that wisdom. So I think that's super helpful for me. I'm personally learning. <laughs> still, I'm still learning. <laughs> yes. Okay. And on that, I guess on that topic, I'll ask my last question, which has been great. It's like just flowed. So just, I'm just enjoying this. I see why people gravitate toward you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah, my last question is what has been the most helpful lesson that you've learned as a startup cannabis entrepreneur? The biggest lesson I've learned, two, there's two lessons that I'm just learning continuously is uh, bet on yourself, right? Because this is your dream. This is your passion. This is your baby. This is your business, right? No one is going to love, nurture, care, critique uh, your baby or your business like you will. And then um, don't be afraid to ask for help. Because I think that a lot of the times we tend to protect our ideas, right? As a, as a people in general, we're taught, you know, don't, don't talk about it before it happens, you know, but there's something that is synergetic about allowing people into your vision and your mission. I, I met someone at an event recently, just on a regular conversation. I've been looking for someone to design an actual flyer for me. Now I've been doing these flyers in Canva or, you know, having them pre-generated for a very long time, but being able to just be vulnerable, right. And ask like, do you happen to know someone who can design this flyer? Because I want this event to be a little bit more than anything else I've put on, right? So it can't just be me. And right then and there, he was like, oh, I design flyers. I can do it for you. Wow. Perfect. Yeah. That's another thing off of my back that I don't have to worry about before I go to bed that I can then pass along to someone else. And that's another opportunity, right? Of that reaching back. I think a lot of us forget that there have been people who have helped to get us to where we are. No one has walked this path alone. This is not this is not unfamiliar territory. Somebody has laid the path for you. You just have to trust and be able to bet on yourself that there's a reason why you're taking this path and also be open to having others lead you. Yeah. Ooh. Again, more of the of the goosebumps. <laughs> Especially because I I think that there I mean, okay, this is going all the way back, all the way, everything always goes back to slavery for me. It just does, it always goes back. But when I think back to how society has been set up in America for black people, 
it's been set up to breed distrust so that we do not trust each other. So we do not ask for help. And I think that is an, you know, that's an old narrative that has been perpetuated through and it continues, it continues now. And so I think, you know, as individuals, cause you know, there's not one single black experience. We haven't all inherited the same things, but as individuals, we can say, okay, my resistance to help, is that really helping me? <laughs> right. Is that really right. beneficial? And then at the same time, I love what you said about really looking at your idea and saying, okay, no one's going to love this like me, which means there can be times where, where no one wants to help me. And I've got to convince somebody to help me. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So it's definitely, I just love hearing the people relationship centered approach that you're taking to this business because I think that that's really what healthy business is like business is there to solve problems for community yes it's yes really beneficial but yes get your wealth <laughs> and also here are these relationships we're forming and here's how we're impacting society in a better way so I just I love it so good thank you oh, yeah. no problem we all need to eat and it's funny I just saw this tweet recently and when you said shared experiences I have to share this with you you can leave this in or not but they, there was a tweet that said, basically, have you ever had an experience, this is a shared Black experience, where you put on lotion and you got a little extra and you turn to the Black person next to you and they know just to grab the extra lotion? <laughs> like, that is so uniquely us. That's so uniquely community. And it is deeply ingrained. But we have to remember, before we were brought to this land, we lived in communities together. There was a society. There was, you know, rule. We were royalty. We were doctors. We were people. And it just, it just hurts my heart sometimes that we forget that. But it's, the change is coming, for sure. Yeah. It's, and it's ahead. happening. It's happening. It's all around us. You're you're doing it. You're living it. You're seeing it. Khadija's doing it. Yep. Khadija's doing it. Brought your name up like five times in here. It's just accept it. Just accept it. So thankful. <laughs> so thankful for Khadija. And we're really thankful for your time, Keisha, for your story. Thank you so much um, for working with us and, and allowing us to partner with you and see what, what, what you're doing. And, and I feel like people listening are going to really benefit from what you've shared because yeah it's not easy but it's simple mm -hmm. these principles you talked about they're simple so yeah Keisha thank you so much for being with us oh no problem thank you for having me that's it for today's episode of the green light podcast if you support what we're doing subscribe to our podcast and leave us a five-star review that'll help others find us and learn more about social equity in the cannabis industry you can find out more about Marijuana Matters and our Minorities in Cannabis Boot Camp by checking out our website, MarijuanaMatters.org. And you can follow us on LinkedIn and Instagram at Marijuana Matters DC. Thanks for joining us. Talk soon.